to the Energy Exchange Podcast, hosted by Internex, a podcast where we talk about a cleaner, smarter energy system of the future. Hi, this is Ron Shepard with Internex, and I'm here at Distribute Tech 2019. Uh, I had an opportunity to run into Ralph Bienert, uh, Managing Director of the Open ADR Alliance. Uh, Rolf, thank you for, for joining me on this podcast. Thank you, Ron. It's great, uh, great to be on. So, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about OpenADR. Uh, how long have you been in promoting openness in, in standards and kind of what the mission and charter is of OpenADR? Absolutely, yes. And um, it's kind of interesting. A lot of people don't know that, but it, in fact, goes back a long, long time already. And back in 2001, for those of you listeners that uh, live in California, they might remember the rolling blackouts, brownouts that happened because of the Enron issues that popped up in the markets and all of a sudden California ran out of their peak power uh, availability. So the California Energy Commission at the time, 2001-2002, decided, okay, it's the Silicon Valley, it's California, right? We cannot really have blackouts. and. Uh, that they needed or wanted a machine-to-machine communication option, communication protocol that would enable the utilities, instead of doing rolling blackouts, really just doing rolling adjustments on the consumer side. Uh, So they created uh, a grant, uh, a few companies together with Pacific Gas and Electric, uh, PG&E, as well as the Lawrence Berkeley National Lab, eventually got this grant and started building OpenADR 1.0. Of course, this was very much geared towards the California market, you know, restricted to a number of devices that were part of the project, so it wasn't true interoperable uh, in in that sense uh, of the word. So when the SGIP, the Smart Grid Interoperability Panel, that, of course, NNX was very involved in, uh, started their work on, on all these new interoperability standards in 2006, 7, 8. Um, it was decided that it would make sense to bring OpenADR from this local uh, project in California out into like the entire US or even uh, global market by gathering a few more um, requirements from different groups. SGIP contributed, uh, UCA contributed, uh, FERC, NERC, and so on. We collected all these requirements and put them together through some of the projects at the SGIP uh, into a base specification which is called the energy interoperation. Uh, and that's essentially the base standard for OpenADR. So, I guess... One of the misconceptions, or maybe you could clarify one of the perceptions, uh, OpenADR is not just a protocol protocol for demand response. It's more open and more universal than just a d- DR. Uh, That's exactly right, and you're absolutely right, Ron. I mean, this is one of those things that we are struggling with. Right? The people think OpenADR is this oh old California peak load management standard, but you're absolutely right. Um, OpenADR is very flexible. We have a whole array of different signal types. Um, We're trying to stay true to our nature of inform and motivate. So we do not want to control devices. You know, you have enough control and command standards. So if you tie in 
um, like a large solar installation to the grid. The utility probably wants to have their own controls in there. So you have DNP3, 850, you know, all these, all these standards out there. But if you're looking at millions of small customer-owned systems, now, you know, we want to provide the utility with this demarcation point, right? Where you can say, this is customer equipment. We give them information, either price information or grid status or requirements from, from the grid. And then the customers or their management systems, not really, the customers not really involved in every uh, decision there, but their management systems will then respond to these signals. So energy prices go up. Well, hopefully they start saving in some areas. Or if the utility calls for an event, with other words, wants power back or wants to give you power, because that's now getting beyond the traditional demand response. Right, right? almost yeah. like a negative demand response. Exactly right. You know, OpenADR was able to do that since years, or always, really. Um, even though people are always talking about, talking about curtailment, to be frank, the curtailment could be negative, right? So, with other words, use more power, yeah. Or you can even give specific uh, energy levels to a customer. Hey, can you use so much, you know? And in particular, if you now combine solar, EV charging, right? Potentially battery storage and things like that, if you can tie this all together, all of a sudden the customer has a lot of power, right? If you, if you offer them cheap energy, they might buy it and charge their car or their battery. If it gets more expensive and OpenADR can deliver that signal, then the customer might say, okay, now I can, I can give you some, some back. Right? So, so one, one thing, and maybe you can explain, uh, clarify this a little bit for me. A lot of assets are behind the meter, you know, whether they be appliances, whether they be energy management, uh, commercial industrial environments. Where is the demarcation between things like open ADR and, say, open home area network? Uh, yeah. can, can you clarify that for me? In fact, so the, the open home area network or home area networks in general, uh, typically in, in the structures that we see sit behind the open ADR gateway. So, uh, I mean, I don't want to say that every open ADR installation has a gateway, but, but many of them have. And particularly if you look at like small, medium businesses and these kind of programs, you, 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 a lot of times you see this gateway either physically on site or in, in a cloud environment, like Connected Energy or other companies that provide a cloud-based energy management system that then in turn talks to all kinds of devices in the home area network. So the demarcation point from the utility on out is in fact the OpenADR server that sits either at the utility or as well in a cloud environment just outside the utility firewalls. Uh, some of our mem member companies that build these management uh, servers have different business models. Uh, some are physically located at the utility, some are integrated in their IT, and some are actually sitting outside in, in the cloud and offer, offer the OpenADR service as, as a, a software as a service, basically, uh, in the cloud to the utilities. And then the gateway, then, uh, we, we have a lot of member companies that have gateways that connect them to Zigbee, Threat, Z-Wave, you know, any kind of building automation systems or in general the IOT if we want to throw this in you know <laughs> yeah. it's, of course nobody really knows what that <laughs> yeah. means right but 
um, but uh, we, we in fact got a lot of interest from these IoT folks. Um, uh, surprisingly, I had, a, I had a webinar and 300 people showed up just to talk about OpenADR and IoT uh, because these guys, they want to help the customers. They want to help the customers manage their energy usage, their other devices, and so they want from the utility, they want a good status or a price, you know, especially once, once we see dynamic pricing and things like that. They want to know that, right? And for them, they're already connected to the internet, so it's exceedingly easy for them to just receive the OpenADR signal, which is essentially just another ping to the server of, that sits at the utility to get that information. So you mentioned your, your members uh, in the Alliance. Who are some of the major uh, utilities here in the U.S. or worldwide that are very active in the open ADR? That's a very good question, of course. Um, and I, I should say, in fact, uh, the Alliance then was formed in 2010, and two of the founding members were Southern California Edison, SCE, as well as Pacific Gas and Electric, PG&E. So these are certainly the, the ones that are you know, in there the longest and uh, probably <laughs> yeah. the most deployments. But, but we do see now uh, increased interest from all over the place. And when, if you want to start in the West, like Hawaii, uh, HECO um, is, is looking at all kinds of different standard-based systems uh, for, their, for their future um, uh, endeavors there with renewable energy and so on. Then again, of course, California, uh, Sacramento, um, and then we have um, we see Austin Energy very active, uh, NV Energy, um, Duke Duke Energy is running projects. But then, in fact, I just learned from one of our member companies, uh, for instance, IP Keys. Uh, they were speaking at our seminar here that uh, they are in fact working with a lot of different um, system operators as well. So from from PJM all the way down to Texas. Um, so we, we see a lot of uptake now, in particular in the last 18 months, I think, where a lot of the initial trials were concluded, and now, and now some of the rollouts uh, are starting. Internationally, um, Japan has always been, let's, let's call it a big fan uh, of, of uh, standardization, in particular after the Fukushima earthquake, um, there was a lot of interest and a lot of public opinion interest to move away from nuclear and, and all these things, right? So they implemented OpenADR in Japan. So TEPCO um, uh, requires OpenADR at least to the aggregator level, and they are examining it now also down to the DERs, uh, distributed energy resources like batteries and, and uh, solar uh, and inverters and things like that. Um, where we are still lagging a little bit behind is maybe Europe. Well, demand response. You know, if, response if you go, I was just going to say, if you go to the roots of open ADR being kind of the demand response, Europe really hasn't participated in that market. Exactly, exactly. And that's the thing. I mean, not even having smart meters in a lot of areas, right, because of security, privacy issues. And, but now we're seeing them coming. And in fact, uh, open ADR... Uh, just achieved uh, IEC uh, international standard uh, status. Congratulations. With, thank you. Yeah, we worked with the IEC working groups for a few years now, uh, and OpenADR 2.0b is now uh, an IEC standard, IEC 62746-10-1. And I noticed that after that publication came out, all of a sudden, you see a lot of European countries downloading the spec. I always see the downloads of the of the specification. It goes even all the way to Russia for whatever it's worth. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know exactly what that means. <laughs> well, but there, there's a certain 
blessing, so to speak, when, when IEC adopts a, a standard and kind of an endorsement that it, it's valid, it's good, and it's meaningful. So uh, congratulations on that. So in, in terms of growth for the Alliance, what type of things are you targeting? Who are you targeting? What is your trajectory for increased membership? Yes, uh, a very good question, of course. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, right, a lot of people see OpenADR as demand response, peak load, peak shaving, really. And that's one of the areas we want to move away from, right, moving more into DER as well as transactive energy. Uh, so these are the two projects for this year uh, that, that we are looking at and um, you might be familiar with uh, some regulations that are popping up here and there like Rule 21 in California for smart inverters uh, and of course um, it's very much geared towards a direct inverter control. Right, the 5047 2018 is kind of based exactly. on that. And yeah. as I mentioned earlier, you know, do utilities really want to control each and every inverter? I don't know, and I think it, I think it will pop out that they, they really don't eventually. So we want to cover those requirements from Rule 21, but not duplicating any of the control standards. I mean, the control standards are good standards; they have their place. They need to turn the knobs in the <laughs> inverter, right? Yeah. We don't want to do that again. We we want to give like a controller or an aggregator or like, you know a Sunrun. A solar city, or uh, or even down to like a manufacturer level, um, like like micro inverter manufacturers and so on, like Enphase. We want to be able to give them objective messages from the utility, right? Where do you need what zip code, geographical area? All these things we can target very easily, right? So we are right now looking at creating two addendum specifications. Because we do not want to change OpenADR 2.0B. It has been established. We have a test program. We have over 150 certified systems. So I'm not going to change the, the base spec, right? right. It's there. And it's an IEC standard, too. So I'm going to make two extension specifications, That one of which will look at, at two DER-related items. One is, of course, requirements from the Rule 21 CSIP uh, regulation in California, um, where we want to show how OpenADR fits in uh, to this picture to give companies more options to control their DERs. And the second part that we are just exploring together with some companies, some utilities, as well as EPRI, is a new specification from the IEC. It's part of the 61968 series, is the Dash 5, which talks about grouping. And that seems to be a big topic, right, for, for DERs. How do we group them together? Again, OpenADR can target them in all kinds of ways. You know, they can target them by, by uh, GPS coordinates, zip codes, device types, whatever you want. But if the utility really wants to sort of start creating certain response groups out there... Yeah, based upon electrical feeder or whatever. Feeder level, exactly. Um, then, then it might be interesting in particular to, to automate some of these grouping mechanisms so that devices automatically are you know, uh, uh, put into certain functional groups and, and, and tagging. So yeah, exactly. So this will go into one of the specs. Again, this, this grouping mechanism is it's a brand new thing and the IEC, EPRI has been spearheading that there. So we're still exploring how we 
how we want to do this, um, but OpenADR can certainly uh, be, be used for this communication. And then the second part is transactive energy, as I said. Um, and sure, you have some of the, uh, the, the strategic, you know, transactive energy thinkers out there that think about meshing everything, right? You're selling to your neighbor, you're receiving to, from your neighbor, or things like that. I don't think we are there yet, right? And we might be quite a while away from that. But what we do see is experiments popping up right and left with what I like to call spot prices, right? Similar to an Amazon.com, right? Where you have a price for your kilowatt hour or whatever the energy service is that is specific to your location and the time. And the, uh, there's a, there was a grant uh, and a project in California. It's called the RATES program. So it's R-A-T-E-S with like dots in between. I think that's the website. If anybody of your listeners wants to Google that, uh, it'll pop up. Where they really tried to see how customers are responding to that. Right? If I give, for instance, a, a building management system uh, different prices during the day. I say at 2 o'clock it's cheaper. Can you buy, or do you want to buy some energy? Right? Or I need some energy back, it gets more expensive, can you sell me some back? And it, it worked actually really well. And they used OpenADR as the basic connection and added a few uh, more specific uh, TMIX services. Um, they are coming out of our base spec, the energy interoperation that we mentioned earlier. Um, and they were using these, uh, these additional services like a quote, like a quote service to really exchange quotes and tenders, um, and then eventually all the way down to the delivery, uh, which then... So it, it kind of gets between the market operations in terms of economics, as well as utility operations in terms of reliability, safety, and performance. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it really works. I mean, at the end of the day, it's almost like, you know, you look for a product on Amazon, right? Except that the product, obviously, is always energy, but uh, it gives you that one price. Okay, right now, energy costs you X, and then if you say, yes, I need some, I'm going to charge my battery or my car, right? You can say, yeah, I'll, I'll take some, and then the, then the transaction is concluded, and there's a delivery, and essentially, you just take the energy, or vice versa. You can give some back to the grid, and um, we, have see, we have been seeing, in fact, three, four, five uh, projects like that that use OpenADR, and we recently had a webinar, it's posted on our website at openadr.org, uh, where these companies actually, actually discussed these, these projects, and it was quite interesting, and we are now starting kind of like a harmonization of these services. So, I, I, is one of the keys to the solution? Uh, the ability for end users to store energy. Uh, is that kind of the, the golden holy grail that makes all this transactive energy real? I think not necessarily, I would say. Would it be the best? Sure. You know, I mean, ideally, a consumer would have some production, solar, some storage, right? Some bigger consumers, like an electric car or something like that. Then you can make the most use of it. But really, at the end of the day, for me, just from a technical implementation perspective and from an open ADR viewpoint, for me, any resource is the same. You know, if somebody discharges their batteries to the grid, 
or if somebody turns off their pool pump. Net-net, yeah. it's Save delivering back. or saving energy, so it's giving their grid energy back, right, that it doesn't have at that point. Of course, the difference is if you have these consumers like a pool pump, it needs to be running to save something, right, which you, which you don't really know. Like with water heaters, right, you, you, can, you can curtail water heaters, but you don't know are they actually heating right now, you know, or are they off anyways because nobody is home. And I send a signal to a water heater to curtail, and the water heater is like, oh, fine, you know, I'm off So, I mean, these are like more tricky analysis uh, questions, right, that the utility, of course, has to figure out um, and how they what percentage of power they get back. So, so yeah, I wouldn't say that, that storage is, is a requirement because you have all these different consumers that you can manage, you know, in relation to each other. But, yes, for, like, really the prosumer, as the, as the Japanese like to call them, ideally you would have some kind of storage. And even if it's vehicle-to-grid, right? Yeah. You know, if you don't have a sp separate battery, you might have your, your electric vehicle eventually connected to your to your house. Rob, we could go on for hours. <laughs> yeah. you, you fascinate me and, and really, really exciting to, to hear where you are, where you're going. What would you recommend to listeners to become more familiar, more acquainted with OpenADR? Obviously, you know, going to your website, listening to some of your webinars, is there something, you know, that people should zero in on to give them the true essence of where you're headed and why they should become involved. You already mentioned some of the items, of course. Uh, I try to keep a lot of information on the website, probably overwhelming, overwhelmingly so, in fact. But um, for, for product manufacturers, for instance, on the website, under resources, is how to build a product. That gives them really all the steps, you know, what they need to do, what they should read, what they should look at. It's all in there. And on the other side of the, of the fence, we have what we call the, the DR program guide. And I noticed that we kind of mislabeled that a little bit, because when utility here program guide, they are thinking incentive programs, financial you know, uh, transactions, things like that. Of course, we think technical, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, we engineers have it. Yeah, exactly. We already know what a program is. Right, right. So, uh, so our program guide lists uh, seven or eight of the most common program structures, let's say it like this from a technical uh, standpoint, and shows how they are being realized with OpenADR. And I think that's really a good starting point for anybody that is new to DR programs or DER control programs really to look through this to understand some of the relationships. You know, there's some, some relationship diagrams in there between the different parties. Use cases with actors. Use cases. And then it goes, it, it, it basically goes down to details of here's really how the payload, how the XML OpenADR payload will look like for, say, a thermostat program, right, or for an EV charger. And we don't claim that this guide is complete. We started it out. You know, we had... Uh, we had about 30 different programs that we were able to distill down into seven basic categories. And we are just revising that actually for some of the, the newer EV charging programs. And um, there are also some more almost direct load control, even though, like I said before, that's not necessarily our forte, but some people want to do a little more load control type uh, scenarios. So we are revising that. So this is a good starting point. Like you said already, webinars, of course. And 
In fact, just this year we uh, are starting to put together a series of seminars, on-site seminars. Uh, so we have five or six, um, I'm going to post them soon on the website as well, that we are lining up. But if anybody in your, in your, uh, from your listeners is interested in getting a seminar into their area, Contact us, um, Rolf at openadr.org, R-O-L-F uh, at openadr.org, and we can see what we can set up. You know, happy to come to utilities, you know, educate your staff, or, you know, go to like a regulator or just some, you know, general location, maybe close to a trade show like we did this week on Tuesday. We had a, had a lunch and learn session in a hotel across the street. So that's what we kind of want to do to really make people aware of, of how it works and what they can do with it. Well, thank you so very, very much for the time. Very informative, very exciting. Best wishes, good luck, and congratulations on the IEC recognition. Uh, you've made a lot of headway, and I congratulate you. Thank you very much, Ron. It was excellent talking to you. Discover more about Internex by visiting www.internex.com and join us for upcoming issues of the Energy Exchange podcast. Internex, a Chessie company, is a leading provider of research, engineering, and consulting services to the electric power industry worldwide. Founded in 2003, the company is focused on helping our clients understand, adopt, and leverage new and emerging electric power technologies to advance a cleaner, smarter energy system of the future.